Well, I uh, shortened the message down a bit just because I thought we were having a surprise, but I guess we're not. So I won't keep you long, just precisely 20 minutes as always. I will keep you. Um, I was laughing when Pastor was talking about how he doesn't remember names. He can't be any worse than me, except for he's in the right field. He's in construction. It's only a couple names you got to know. I'm in sales. I can't remember anybody's name. Lucky for me, most guys have a name tag, so I, I act like I remember their name, but I really don't. One, one time I had to write the guy's name down on my hand, and I just kept looking at it. I, that's all for free. Just letting you know, Pastor, helping you feel good. You're not the only one. So uh, I have some thoughts. I... I you know, I try to try to do topical things, try, you know, try to be pretty concise in my messaging. But these are just some thoughts. It's kind of wrapping up some things I've been teaching on on Wednesday. So if you're in those those uh, sessions, you're good. If you're not, try to follow along. But um, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 7 and verse uh, 6 through 7, I'm also going to be in chapter 9. Um, like I always do, I have all my scriptures written down. So good luck following along with me. Um, But in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6 through 7, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his prized possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose to choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept The oath he swore to your fathers, he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Jump into uh, chapter 9, verse 4 and 5. It says, when the Lord your God has driven them out, speaking of the uh, Canaanites, before you, do not say in your heart, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. Rather... The Lord is driving out these nations before you because of their wickedness. And it is not because of your righteousness or uprightness of heart that you are going to to, in to possess the land, their land. But it is because of their wickedness that the Lord, your God, has driven out these nations before you to keep the promise he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand then that that is that it is not because of your righteousness. And I love how the Lord just kind of continues to repeat this. Not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God has given you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for allowing us, Lord, one more time to come come into your house this year, Lord. Lord, we look forward, Lord, to what you're going to do, Lord, in the future, Lord. But, but tonight, Lord, let us just take advantage of the time we have together, Lord, to hear your word, Lord. Lord, I've done my best, Lord, to to put into clarity, Lord, what I believe that that you want to speak to your people, but it's by your spirit alone, Lord, that you can open up hearts to receive what you have for each individual, Lord, for the benefit of them and to the, our body collectively, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I wouldn't want the Lord to call me a stiff-necked person, but I look in the mirror sometimes and I go, yeah, that's about right. That's, I am a stiff-necked person. But I read these scriptures because I, it emphasizes something that the Lord's been uh, putting on my heart just a, a, a state of mind in everything that I do, um, that it is not because of anything that I do that good things happen or bad things happen. 
it is because of his mercy and his grace alone is why I'm in the place that I'm in. It's why all of us are here is because, not because of something that we did, but because of his good grace and mercy. And when we keep that in mind, and we, when we walk in that, then everything that he does is put in the proper perspective, and we don't get too, too high in this thing. Uh, in Hebrews it says, but without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11 through 6. And in verse uh, 9 and 10 it says, by faith, Speaking of Abraham, he resided as a foreigner in a land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the co-heirs of the same promise, for he looked for a city having the foundations of which the builder and maker is God. And, and so when I look at that, I, I, I summed it up in these, this term here, that the designer is God, the design is God, the foundation is God, and the one who's building it up is God. Everything has to do with him. And that it is by the faith of Abraham looking forward to that, to that city that allowed him to do what he was doing. That he was a nomad. He's just wandering and he's looking for a place to reside. He is looking for a place to settle. I, um, you know, I do history with Morgan on occasion and we had this little, you know, I showed her about you know, what it was like to be a, a nomad back in a certain period of time. This is about this time. There wasn't really a whole lot of just nations going on here. That Everybody's just wandering around trying to find the land to, to bring their cattle and their, their sheep into. And so he is looking for this place where he can just finally settle, where he can finally be. But he didn't just want to stop any place. He wanted to stop in that place that God ordained, that God wanted him to be, that God appointed it for him and that God was going to be there when he got there. And to look back at this man who just is wandering, hears from the Lord, and then wanders again. I, I counted one time that it was years before he heard, for, heard the voice of the Lord for a second time. And he is just traveling, trying to stay obedient to the Lord. And so it's no wonder that in Hebrews they use him as an example of faith. And it's no wonder that in Deuteronomy that, he, that the Lord will look at those people and say, it's not because of what you've done, but because of the promise that I've made to this man. Because this man held nothing back from me. Because this man walked in faith. Walked, when I told him to do something, he did it. When I asked him, him to give me something, he did it. When I blessed him with a son and, and I asked for that in return, he in no ways blocked it or kept it from me. It's because of that faith that they are being blessed. And it would have done them a lot of good to understand that because then maybe they would be searching to have that same kind of faith. But instead they turn to the works part and that what they did and who they were and the blood they had and, and the sacrifices that made that they made, that those things made them special. And as, and when, you begin to think that way and, and you begin to believe that you're special, then anything that you do is good in your own sight. And we see that a lot in the Old Testament. One consistent thought before and while we moved here was I was looking for a time when I could be settled. So I know, you know, it's been a couple of years now since we've been here, but I always kind of look back. I remember talking to Heather and I went, man, one time we're going to we're going to be in Oklahoma, and everything's just going to be settled, and everything's going to be good, and we're going to be like, yes, we've arrived. It took a while for that to happen, but I think we could probably say that that's happened. 
But through all that time, I'm going, let's just hurry this thing up so that I could get to the place where I could sit back down again and be settled and be good. And, but in doing that, I miss, I could, there's a potential to miss what the Lord is trying to do in, in us. One of the constant battles that we face, that Christians face, face, is that they're always looking for a place to no longer do any work where we can just settle in and we can rest in the finished work. And I, I understand that. Every time I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and the same guy's facing me, and I've got the same guy who's w- wanting to come against me, and I have to do this. I get to do this again. You know, After this sermon, I'm going to feel all high on the mountaintop because I preached something that I thought, the, and then I'm going to wake up in the morning tomorrow, and I'm going to feel like the Lord is as distant from me as the east is from the west. happens every time. But I get up and I do it again in faith, believing that I'm walking in what the Lord would have for me. The the Lord is continually repeating the necessity of the last being first and the first being last. Because in our nature, we look, we do this in jobs. I I often say this, um, Chris and I, especially in the independent garages. uh, Most of the time when you find an independent garage that just started up, it's a disgruntled technician that didn't want to be told what to do anymore. And that's, that's usually why they start in the business. Usually those guys don't succeed very well. But the reason why I say that is because we look at the higher calling. We look at the higher, the person who's higher up, and we envy that position because we think it's a place where we can just relax. You know, I remember, um, you know, working with, uh, with uh, pastors, I can't, Craig working on Craig's crew and, um, the shop foreman or the foreman guy, Keith, uh, he would leave for like hours on end and we wouldn't know where he went. We're just sitting there busting our butts, trying to get this thing going. We're like, he's, he'd come back. Oh, I had to make a lot of phone calls. That many phone calls. Like how many people do you have to call? And boy, when I get to that foreman position, I'm going to sit in my truck and I get going to just sit down. Well, Rodney's now in that position. Let me tell you something. He's not sitting in his truck. Not what's going on. You know, we want to get to that management position. You know, there's a lot, few people in management here. We want to get that management position. That way nobody can tell us what to do. I want to run my own business so nobody can tell me what to do. Well, guess what? Everybody tells you what to do when you run your own business. Chris and I, we, we joke and we laugh because we are the one person when we walk into a shop that they could just treat like crap, and there is absolutely nothing I can do about it. Nothing. I just have to take it. You know, but that's part of the job. But, I, boy, if I could just hit that place, if I could just hit that mountaintop, nobody's going to tell me what to do. But, the, but that's not the case. That's not the case. We need to, we're not, we're not seeking a place where we can no longer have commandments. We're seeking a place where we can receive the proper commandment, where we can attain that which we're, we're, Abraham is searching. Abraham is trying to find, he's not trying to find a city. He's trying to find the intention of the Lord. He's going, I've come out of, I did not come out of the Ur of Chaldees just to come into this land, just so I could have a really good farm. He knows that it's in him. He understands that. And he's seeking more than what he can see. He is trying, the, the Lord is, is keeping the promise which he swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But he swore it to them 
not because of what they did, but because of the faith they had. And Paul's going to allude that to that in Romans chapter 4 and verse 9 through 12. So I just want to read this to you. Is this the blessing only on the circumcised or also on the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. In what context was it credited? Was it after his circumcision or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of the circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but are not circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to them. And he is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not because of our actions that we come into the promises of God. However, that doesn't mean that there's nothing that we do. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 26 through 27 says, for, show, for the showing forth of righteousness in the present time, for his being just and justifying him that is of the faith of Jesus, then where is the boasting? It was excluded. Through what law of works? No, but through a law of faith. So what is a law of faith? It is the difference between having faith in what I do and doing what I have faith into. It's the difference. Everybody following me on that? So Abraham is justified. He, the Lord brings him the circumcision. The circumcision is, is the Lord calling, is separating him out for himself. That's what it is. It's him calling him special. It's making him special, different than everybody else. But he does that as a result of the faith that he had. Well, what was the faith that he had? Faith is that I hear, believe, and then I walk out that which I heard and I believe. That's essentially what it is. And that's a lot easier said than done. What works is, is that I do something and I believe that what I, what I have done makes me special in the Lord's eyes. That is the difference. It's as simple and yet, and yet it's very difficult. Because the Lord is constantly acting, asking us to do things. And as we are obedient, it's easy for us to say, well, I've done something. Well, I've been, I, this is because of what I've done. But the law of faith is as simple as, I believe what the Lord has said, and I am going to walk out what I believe that he commanded me to do. The problem is, the Lord is not writing commandments on the wall anymore. He's, there is no tablets coming down from heaven. There is no statutes that are up in a scroll that we could just point to and go, well, that's the will of the Lord. Because in that, there's flaw. There's flaw in that. There's, that is something that we can do. And it is when we have faith in what we can do, and we don't have faith in what we can do, because if we had faith in what we do, then we wouldn't have to do any more. I said this um, when I was teaching the other, uh, the other night. To have faith that, that doing the law of Moses or whatever law, if that was sufficient, then why do we have to keep adding to it? We set rules in our house and we set government, as men, we kind of set you know, limits on ourselves and check ourselves and try to be as best we can. And 
But when we find that we're coming short, what we want to do is, we, oh, well, I need to add another thing. We knew a, a brother, and, and he was having some troubles in his, in his home, and he decided he's going he's gonna to take the TV out. Well, that wasn't the problem. The problem was other things. But instead of dealing with those, I'm going to make this rule over here, and that rule over here is somehow going to make this better, and it never will. It never will. It's only our faith in what is being commanded of us by the Spirit of the Lord and us in faith walking that out that brings us favor in the Lord's sight. So really, what have we done? He's the one who commanded it. He's the one who gives us the ability to do it. So what do we have to boast about? What credit do we need to take? I can't even obey the Lord without the Lord giving me the ability to do that. Amen? Amen. Chris was talking about um, the commandments of Christ, and he's been going over those for a while. Something that struck me about the differences between the commandments that were in the Old Testament, what Christ lays down, is that Christ is not laying down something you could write in on a tablet. His commandments are concepts, are precepts. They are things They are a way of life. They are a way we deal with things. And every situation that we come to is not the same. And so we need the Spirit of God to help us to understand how to implement that which he commands. So, for example, there are, and there are rules. I'm not saying that, that because we walk in faith, we have no governance over us. We absolutely do. In fact, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 12 through 15, before I get too far ahead of myself, it says, Therefore, do not let sin rule in your mortal body to obey it in its lusts. Do not yield your members instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves to God and living from the dead and your members instruments of righteousness to God. For, for your sin shall be, not be over you, for you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we say... We sin because we are not under the law, but under grace. Let it not be. Of course not. Of course not. We just, have, we just have a direct access to the one who's giving the laws. The one who's, it's the difference between having a law written down and having a rabbi by our side. The rabbi by your side is going to lead you and he's going to tell you how to implement those things that he commands. But in our nature, We always want to go back to that what's good and what's bad. Just tell me what's good. Just tell me what's bad and leave me alone and I'll be okay. And you won't be okay. You'll never be okay. You could have a list. The Jews had a list of of things to do that were right or wrong and they still couldn't do it. And they had no faith in it because if they had faith in it, they wouldn't have added to it. And by the time that Jesus comes into his own, own city... They have added so much things to the law that you couldn't even recognize it anymore. They, they, they had added so much stuff that they even believed in reincarnation. They had so much stuff that they had implemented in because they had the, the law could not produce faith. It could not produce faith. But, oops, I just spilled that all over myself. But mankind always creates some kind of law because the thought of us being unshackled is intimidating. So when I say to you, you are free from law and rule, you are under the grace of God, the immediate thing that we think about is, woohoo, let's just go do whatever we want. 
That's what some churches are doing. That's what they teach and that's what they do. But that's not what is intended. It is that we now have access to the one giving the law. We have access to that one. So now what happens is, is that we look at the commandments of Jesus. I'm just going to look at those and then I'm going to do those. So when he says, uh, when your enemy slaps you on the cheek, give him the other one. I have yet to do that. I have yet to implement that. How do I do that? The Lord has to show you. When the Lord says, settle with your adversaries quickly, how do I do that? Rodney and I have both, uh, actually it was Amber and Rodney have had this past year, had to settle with some adversaries. They had owed some money to, to us. Uh, some other people owed money to Rodney. And so we're, you know, the, the, what I would consider to be good was let's take them to court and get our money. That's the good thing to do. But the Lord's had different things to do had different ways of doing it. I said, no, we're going to settle this a different way. And I had to buy the spirit because this flesh wasn't going to do it. Try to navigate that situation the best I can. And I needed the spirit of the Lord to, to, to guide me through that. And I know Rodney, him and I had talked, the spirit of the Lord had to guide him through that. Try, had to teach us some things through that. Love your neighbor of, uh, as yourself. And uh, when you read that scripture of the Good Samaritan, you got the one... That one Pharisee going, no, no, well, who's my neighbor? And he's got his stone tablet. He's ready to write it down. I was, um, I was reading this article about basketball. I've, there's, um, basketball is almost unwatchable now, okay? And so they're kind of going, their viewership's down, so they're kind of going over what, what's been going on. Well, uh, a few years ago, these GMs and these owners got together with the, with the NBA, and they said, hey, we need you to give us the rules for fouling exactly. And we need you to ref those rules exactly how they're written down. Well, they weren't doing that because they wanted to, you know, we just want to really follow the rules. No, they were doing that so they could get players that would take advantage of those rules. So and that's why you see in the NBA, you know, a guy's, you know, a guy's going like this, and a guy goes to shoot, and he Throws his arm, and the other guy, tweet, foul. Well, that guy hit the other guy. How's that guy fouling? You know, that kind of stuff. Well, they did that on purpose. It's because they wanted to circumvent the rules, not because they wanted to obey them clearly. And that's what you kind of see when, when the Jews are talking to Jesus. They're, they're not looking to really understand. They're looking for the workaround, okay? But then on the other side of that, we go, well, who is our neighbor? Well, and then he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And we go, okay, so that means that as I'm driving down Highway 412, whenever I see an accident, which I see an accident just about every week, I've got to stop. I've got to pick that guy up. I've got to take him to the hospital. I've got to pay all his bills. And that's, that's, that's the law that the Lord has written down. No, it is not. It is not. But sometimes I may be called to do that. Sometimes a brother, like Brother Jake over there, needs something, and the Lord calls us to do that. Some, sometimes a brother in Mexico gets his house robbed out from under him and we step in to help them. That is the spirit of the Lord showing us how to treat our neighbor. And that does, and sometimes that applies one way, sometimes that applies a different way. But it doesn't apply the same way every time. Amen? We are all free of the shackles and restrictions of law of sin and death 
and we are free from the shackles of, of Moses. So now, with that freedom, what do we do? Jesus uh, goes to this woman of the well, and I won't read the scripture because we all know it. And he says something really interesting. She's a Samaritan woman, so she has her ideas of how to worship. Samaritans had their ideas. They wanted to worship on Mount, um, let me see it, Gerizim. That was the mountain that they wanted to worship in. Because they were the Jews that were left behind when this, I think it was the Assyrians came and took, took, took them captive. But they left some Jews there, and those Jews stayed and intermarried. And when the other Jews returned, because they had intermarried, they said, nope, you're not, you're not part of us. But they had their own way of worship, and then the Jews had their own way of worship. And Jesus said, the time has come and now is when you're not going to worship there, and you're not going to worship in Jerusalem either. You're going to worship the Lord in what? Come on, say it with me. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. So this is the intimidating part of the Spirit of God. Is we've seen people who have claimed to have the Spirit of God and what they do. And I don't want to do that. But what do I do when Jesus says this? It is a command here. This is how you're going to worship him. You're going to worship him in spirit, but you're going to be anchored in truth. So the truth is going to anchor you to what the right spirit is. Paul says this, the church is the pillar of truth. So that truth, he is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So what anchors me? How do I... If I'm living by spirit, if I'm walking by spirit, how am I anchored in truth? I'm anchored in what he has already laid down. I am anchored because the, there's this misconception that the, that the spirit of the Lord is going to get us to, you know, this supernatural plane here. That we go beyond being human. We get these beyond being human things. No, you're actually going to be even more human. You're going to be human as Christ was human. That's what he's teaching us to be. So if the spirit of God leads us to be human as Christ was human, then I've got to look at how Christ walked, and I've got to walk in that. Then I've got to see what the apostles judged to be right and correct, and I've got to walk in that. And my faith is, by the spirit of the Lord, I believe that what they said was true and right. I believe that those things are, are meant for me, that the way that Christ walked, I can walk, and so I begin to walk that out in my life. That is what faith is. I begin to do my best to walk that out in life. In Luke 12, 48, you know, we have this freedom, this freedom in the spirit. But Jesus said, where much is given, much is required. So where there's lots of freedom in the spirit given, much is now required of you. You are required to hear that spirit to hear the spirit of Christ. You are required to seek after that spirit of Christ. We are required to try to do whatever we can to be sober, to be vigilant, to find what the will of the Lord is. Amen? So let me just close with this. Let me just close with this. Um, let me get there. This is uh, 1 John chapter 2. Uh, we have preached on this many times, but I just wanted to reiterate it. 
1 John chapter 2, and starting at verse 1, it says, My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you will not sin. You will not sin. So we don't have freedom to sin. I don't know where we got that idea. We don't have freedom to sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we can be sure that we have come to know him if, Brother Chris, we keep his commandments. If anyone says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone keeps his word, the love of God has been truly perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to abide in him must walk as Jesus walked. But we have no ability to walk as Jesus walked. Not with an advocate, because that word advocate is not, that's not the word we need here. Okay? But this is the word that gets thrown around. Let me give you the English word for advocate, and then I'm going to give you the Greek word for what this means. And, and let's see where we, we end up. The English version, version, advocate. A person who publicly supports or recommends a cause or a policy. That sounds like the Jesus we got, right? That the Jesus that's being preached, right? That he's up there and he's going, okay, Father, I know they sinned. I know they're not walking, but I love them and they're with me, so you're good. That's what we would think of an advocate is. But this word parakleo is to walk, one that walks alongside and makes judgment calls based on the closeness to the situation. There is only a couple times where this word is used, and it's in John 14, 15, and 16. When he's talking about the comforter, it's the same word, parakletos. The one who walks alongside. He is close to us, and he walks alongside of us, and he teaches us what the commandments are and how to walk them out in our life. That's, and he gives us the ability to do It is the builder and maker of who we are. He instructs us in what commands work. What, there are commands that, that, that I have, that other people don't have. Now, I believe that there is a command that we all follow. One of us is that we walk in, as Jesus walked. We need to make sure we're all walking. There are commands in Scripture, and, and Chris did a good job of laying down those commands. Those, are, those apply to everybody. But there are individual people that the Lord governs them a certain way because they have certain issues, because they have certain problems. And the Lord comes in and he shows them how to walk as he walked. He walks alongside of us. He knows the situation because he's right there with us. And he teaches us how to walk like him in that situation. Amen? In order to be like him, we must obey his commandments. You know, pastor was talking about this the other day. That we no longer have sacrifice and offerings, but we have obedience. That's how we walk. We walk in obedience. But if you don't receive a command or instruction, how are you going to be obedient? You cannot be obedient unless there's one giving the commands. And so if we walk through life, just kind of got our ears plugged and we're not listening, we're not putting ourselves in a position where we can hear him, we will never be able to implement those commands. 
We will never become what God has intended us to become in the first place. In Romans 8.16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, um, there was this time, you know, I used to kind of wonder, you know, how do you know the voice of the Lord? Like when you're, how do you, how do you hear him? How do you understand him? How do I come to know him? I kind of understand it this way. I may not know the Lord as well as I should, but I know this flesh man pretty well. And I know that when there's a little voice inside of me that's telling me to do something that, my, that this guy doesn't want to do, chances are, really good chance that it's the Spirit of the Lord. Because it, the Spirit of the Lord is, wants you to do the opposite of what this guy wants. But sometimes I don't know, but I walk out what I believe the Lord is saying. And where Paul talks about that grace, that grace is that favor that even though I don't know, I can't see. See, we want the Lord to come in, stand before us, and tell us what to do. Or write it on a wall and just tell us what to do. But that's not faith because we could see it. But we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by faith believing that we understand what the Lord wants for our lives and that we walk it out by faith. That we believe that even though this is just a church building, you know, and that, you know, some, t- some churches, you know, we rail against, you know, some churches doing some, some wrong things, but the institution is correct. It's right. It's laid down by God. And by faith, I'm going to walk in it. If this place burns down or pastor, you know, decides to move back to California for whatever reason, I'm still going to walk out in church because my faith says that's what the Lord implemented. That's what he wants. That's where he's going to be found. That's where I'm going to understand how to be a child of the Lord. So I'm going to walk that out. Amen. Everybody following me? Let me just leave you this with this. John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But then he says this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, which is that same word, parakletos, that he may be with you to the age. The spirit of truth, whom the world is not able to receive because it does not see him nor know him, but you know him, for he abides with you, and he will be in you. And in John chapter 16 and verse 8, it says, And when he comes, he will convict the world in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. We receive judgment, the power to judge things, by that one who walks alongside. That one who walks alongside. So, let's see what we got. 718. So, let me just babble on for two more minutes, just so I can keep my 20-minute record. But I, I'm looking forward to this next year because I want to get to know the one who walks alongside. Because there are things that are kind of, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Things just happen. But with that comforter walking alongside of us, there's nothing that we can't navigate. There's nothing that we can't work through and come on the other side a better child of the Lord than I was before. Amen? Amen. Pastor?